Hello, and welcome to this week's sermon podcast from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Here we preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether you find the message to be uplifting or challenging, comforting or even unsettling, we hope it'll help you grow in faith and your relationship with God. Thank you for listening. To God be the glory. Our reading this morning is from Genesis, the second and third chapters. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat this fruit, you are sure to die. The serpent was the shrewdest of all wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It is only fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it and must must not even touch it. And if you do, you will die. You won't die, the servant replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her. He ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Here ends the reading. Please stand for the gospel. This is the gospel according to Matthew. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, He will order his angels to protect you. And they will hold you up in their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away, and angels came and took care of Jesus. This is the gospel of the Lord. Hey, Jim, I think I'm a little hot to me. Maybe it's good to you guys. (laughs) Echoing in my head my own voice. (laughs) Uh, Today, friends, we have uh, the beginning of our Lenten journey on the fruit of the Spirit, and we are beginning with the most exciting of all of the fruits. Can you wait and see? It's self-control. Can you even stand it? 
So I've got an educational video here. I think that this video will um, answer all of your questions about self-control and leave you wanting nothing. Uh, yes, C come in. I'm just, just washing my hands. Uh, I'm Catherine Bigman. Janet Carlisle referred me. Oh, yes. Still uh, being uh, buried alive in a box. Yes. Yes, that's me. <laughs> Should I lay down? Oh, no, no, no. We don't, we don't do that anymore. Just, just have a seat. And uh, <laughs> let, let me uh, tell you a, a bit about our, our billing. I, um, I charge $5 for the, for the first five minutes. And, and then absolutely nothing after that. How, how, how does that sound? <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> Too good to be true, as a matter of fact. <laughs> well, I can, I can almost guarantee you that, that our session won't last the full, uh, the full five minutes. Now, um, <laughs> we don't do any insurance billing, so you would either have to pay in, in cash or by check. <clears throat> wow, okay. And, uh, and I, I don't make change. fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just, I start thinking about being buried alive and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever, ever tried to, to bury you alive in a box? No, no, but truly thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house. Anything boxy. So what, what you're saying is you're, uh, you're claustrophobic. Uh, yes. Yes, that's it. All right. Well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. Shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most we find most people can uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay. Here, here they are. Stop it! <laughs> I'm sorry. Stop it! Stop it! Yes. S T O P. New word. I T. <laughs> so, what are you saying? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I, I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. Stop it. So I should just stop it. There you go. I mean, you, you, you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that sounds, sounds frightening. <laughs> yes. Then stop it! I can't. I mean, it's been with me no, since no, childhood. No, no, no. No, we, 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 we don't go there. Just, just stop. So I should just stop being afraid of being buried alive in a box. You got it. Good to go. Well, it's only been, it's only been three minutes, so that will be um, uh, three dollars.
Amen. That's all you need, right? Obviously, that's not it. Self-control is not about just stopping the thing we're doing, and it's also not about just do it either, right? It could go could either, either direction. Humans don't have a lot of self-control. We are not really able to do what needs to be done just on willpower alone. I am, I don't know, maybe some of you guys um, feel this same thing. I am addicted to my phone. And I'm not just saying that because it's like the hip, like I'm, I'm legitimately addicted to my phone. Um, I will think, it's no big deal, I'll just do a quick check-in and then I'll get back to you know, writing my book or doing laundry or whatever the thing is. And then 30 minutes later, I look up in a fog from having been scrolling infinitely on something and I don't remember what I did. I am powerless over the lure of my phone as are we all over various things. Cookies, coffee, self-deprecation, racism, distrust, fill in the blank. Which isn't to say that humans don't have choices or that we don't have agency, we do. It's just that it's so hard. And as usual, it's more complex than just a binary choice. Think back to the last time that you were on the highway and traffic slowed down to like an absolute crawl and you probably wondered idly what was causing it, and then sort of figured out, oh, there's probably a wreck. And you may have thought, gosh, I hope they're okay. Or, ah, now the traffic makes sense. Or, why aren't people better drivers? You might also have thought, this is so frustrating. Drive slower to be safe at a wreck, sure, just to get by it, but don't slow down even more to satisfy your morbid curiosity. What are you hoping to see, people? And then, as soon as you get to the wreck, brake pedal goes down. Is there an ambulance? Sorry. Is there an ambulance? Is there a stretcher? What does the car look like? You have to do the same thing. No chill. No self-control. In roller derby, at least in the junior league that my daughter skates in, they've got this really beautiful way of responding to this kind of thing. So when one of the girls goes down, is injured on the track, and the medics run out, all of the skaters and the refs move off to the bench and they take a knee, which is partly to remove the temptation to skate around and be in the way. And this is what gets me every time. I always forget that it's going to happen until it does. And it makes me a little weepy each time I see it. They don't just go to the bench. They take a knee facing away from the injured skater so that she can have that space to herself, so she can be embarrassed without everyone looking at her. It's so beautiful, and it makes me a little weepy when I see them do it. Because even our best intentions of watching, like, is there something I can do to help? It can add to the embarrassment. It can make it worse. And so they've set up this boundary, this protocol, to support all of the skaters' self-control. They recognize that we can't do this alone. Now then, we have this fascinating story from the gospel, um, this sort of mythic-level story even, where you've got the Son of God versus this God-like being, the Satan, and they're vying for supremacy somehow. I don't know, it almost feels like we should be able to resist temptation just like Jesus did in that story? I mean, so much of what we're taught as kids or in these stories in Scripture seems to be, be like Jesus. 
you know? Like, he did this, so you can do it too. I mean, remember the story of Peter wanting to walk on water? And Jesus says, yeah, sure, come on out, man, the water's fine. And Peter sinks, because he's not Jesus. This dude, Jesus, hadn't eaten or drunk anything for 40 days. By all rights, he should have been dead. And he was able not only to resist, but to quote scripture and speak cogently. I had a student years ago who trained himself to do a 40-day water-only fast. I do not recommend it, because at the end of that 40 days, he was a shell of a man. By the end of this, not by the end of, excuse me, most of us have our needs met now. We're fairly comfortable, so what's our excuse for giving in to temptation? My son, bless him, when we were talking about a friend's alcoholism and how broken this friend's life had been, he said, why didn't he stop drinking? Easy, right? It's not that easy. We've all tried to stop doing something before and failed over and over. And I imagine that we see self-control sort of as like a binary, do or do not. It's like a, a rational choice or it's a moral choice. Just stop it. But the gospel and our focus this week on self-control is not about us just being strong enough to resist. We aren't. We just aren't. Sometimes we do resist the things that keep us from God. That's great. We are involved in our lives. We're not entirely helpless. But much of the time we don't. This is kind of a, a mess, this place that we find ourselves in. And I'm going to try to clarify it. Um, but before I do, I just need to warn you that there are a lot of agricultural metaphors coming your way today and the rest of Lent. So just lean into it. First, these concepts that we have of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control on our banners, they're good things. Are we all in agreement about that? Good stuff. Good, thank you. These are things that we hope for, that we strive for, that we wish were more present in us and the world, and probably there are others that you could name. The Catholic Church includes three extra ones, forbearance, modesty, and chastity. Maybe you would say a fruit of the Spirit is justice, or freedom, or beauty. What we're talking about are the ways that we open ourselves to others, right? And that that's good. These are good things. Now, just a quick rabbit hole about fruit. Fig trees make figs, right? They don't make apples. Grapevines make grapes. They don't make, I don't know, pears. You make the fruit that you make. You don't make the fruit that somebody else makes. You don't make my fruit, right? We all fruit in some way. It's a little different from person to person. So is all this obvious so far? Feels pretty straightforward? Okay, this next bit is less so. We refer to these good things as fruit because the fruit doesn't make itself out of nothing. Right? The fruit comes into being because of the flower's connection to the branch and the root. The fruit comes into being because the branch and the root draw nourishment from the soil and the sun. 
fruit comes into being because it was pollinated. And the whole point of this metaphor is to remind us that we are inextricably connected to the tree, which is God. (laughs) You can nod your heads if you got it. (laughs) Sometimes we make little anemic fruits, a corn cob that's got like three kernels on it, because we're not connected. We don't have, we're not showing that love and that kindness because we're not as connected. And other times we're overflowing with fruit such that like our branches are hitting the ground. It's a question of how connected we are. Self-control is not something we have because we've pulled ourselves up by our own bootstraps, but it's a sign that we are connected to God. The fruit is a sign of the health of the tree. The fruit doesn't exist separately. Or I guess it does exist separately once you harvest it, but for it to grow, for it to ripen, for it to become what it is supposed to be, it has to be connected to the tree. You see? Another way you might talk about this is the heat produced by a fire or your furnace. It's the fire or furnace that makes the heat, but the heat is what you're going for. Heat, love, joy, peace, patience, Furnace, God. It's not supposed to be that simple. It's more complicated, but trying to get this across. When you see these things, when you see these fruits of the Spirit, you know God is present. That's what Paul is saying. So the idea that Paul is trying to get across here, among others, is that we are not in control. It's not about working hard at our Christianity and we'll unlock these achievements because we are so rational or virtuous. However, we can open our hearts and our lives to receive them. This is where it gets real weird. We don't make these things, but we can till the soil so that they can grow. Does that make sense? It's like spiritual fertilizer, (laughs) turning compost into your soul. I told you about the metaphors. It's going to keep coming. We practice things like vine time, maybe. Vine time being the, the phrase that Pastor Heidi gave us for a daily prayer or meditation practice. It's a time we are reminded that we are part of the vine, that we feel that we are part of the vine. That might be something that fertilizes your soul. So, now it's your turn. How do you prepare your spiritual soil so that God can take root? What are you doing in your daily lives that opens you up to God? I'm actually asking you. Just yell. You pray, and how does that open you up? By saying your prayer, it opens you up. Nice. I don't mean to lean over you. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, what else do you do regularly that helps open you up? Smile. Interesting. What did you say? Read. What do you read? Books. All sorts of stuff. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I bet every person in the room could name a different book that has opened them up. So we could make a reading list. Uh, 
What else? The, the Bible. What about it? Reading it. Yes, that's your book. Got it. Got it. And that fertilizes you somehow, makes you reading the Word of God? Oh, interesting. Uh-huh. She lists the things she's grateful for every day. That's something I started doing recently. Uh, I have a highlight of the day page in my bullet journal. Yes, I'm one of those people. Uh, and just looking back at that list, it's really beautiful. Quiet time. Quiet time. Feels like fertilizer. Huh? Focus. Focus. Uh-huh. Does anybody go to worship? Me. <laughs> just you. We got one. <laughs> oh, that's good. Observe, expecting to see God. Mm-hmm. I had a professor in seminary, I don't, maybe you guys are all Lutherans, so maybe you remember this. There, there was a Eucharistic prayer for a while that had the congregation multiple times saying, come Holy Spirit, in the middle of it. He would always say, every time we say that, I go, <laughs> which we thought was really goofy, but he's like, if we're saying it, we're expecting God to show up, right? Anything else you want to name that fertilizes your soil? Listen to Christian radio. Interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I bet there's more stuff, uh, and, and introverts, I'm sorry. Uh, thank you for sharing those. I'm sure you have more. The point is, self-control is less about control and more about a, creating a way of life that allows God in to help us make good choices. And that's hard. It's real hard. It's rewarding and beautiful and even calming, but it's hard. The story that we had about Jesus in the wilderness is called temptation because it's a struggle for him. In, the, the Mark, in Mark's version, there's three of them here. In Mark's version, the Greek is Jesus was driven into the desert. That's not pleasant. And then in all three versions, he's just kind of moved around like a playing piece on a board game. He's not in control of this story. Another seminary professor of mine said that any theology about Jesus has to be seen through the lens of Gethsemane, when Jesus was hours from his death and praying so hard that he's sweating, saying, I don't want to do this. Whatever we say about Jesus has to be seen through that moment. It's hard. It was hard for him, and it's hard for us. We give things up during Lent not to lose weight or be better people. We fast from things during Lent so we can know our hunger. And we're tempted. We want to be comfortable. We want people to see us as we see ourselves. We want to be thinner or smarter or wiser or calmer or safer. And then when we rubberneck and look at those, we miss what God's already doing. See, these temptations are not about ultimate evil but they're about inviting us away from ultimate connection. So friends, I want to invite you this week to feel the soil that you're rooted in. Wiggle your toes, take a risk and put out a little bud, and then notice when you're just a tad bit more self-controlled, just, just a skosh more intentional. That's God. That's God doing something new with you, starting something. This is the hope 
of a tree bursting into fruit. This is the possibility of even the tiniest bud on a tree in the spring. Something new and beautiful is coming. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Please browse our website for other opportunities to grow in faith or serve the Lord. If you are able to worship with us at any time, we would be most honored by your presence.